red, now it's green. <laughs> See, it's, it's Christmas colors. Well, um, I am not Bob Thompson, uh, Thomas. I'm Jim Ammerman, the adult ministry pastor, and uh, Bob has vertigo, so, <laughs> which is really a crummy thing to happen, uh, but he wants you to know that he will be fine in a few days. And uh, he, the second thing he wanted me to tell you is that, remember on Christmas Eve, wasn't that a great service? Yeah, praise God. All right, ready, ready to clap again? We took an offering on Christmas. Some of it was for regular offering, uh, but the other offering, uh, any loose cash that was in the offering went to the warming shelter in the city of Butler. It's the only ministry we have there that helps with that. $11,000, over 11000 Woo! That's, that's being God's hands and God's feet. So here's what I want to know uh, is um, I want to know what do you think are the most popular New Year's resolutions? So shout them out. What do you think? <laughs> all right. Well, that was easy. Uh, weight loss. Is that what you all said? Anything other than weight loss? We like to eat, right? I like to eat. Yeah, I, I looked, at the, looked online and it says, stay healthy and fitty, 37, fit, uh, 37%, lose weight, 32%. Someone who's more math-oriented can do that, but it's somewhere around 50% to lose weight. Well, Friday, I, went figure, I didn't go figure skating. That would kill me. I played hockey. I'd like catch the edge and there'd be different-looking face. Uh, I went skating with my family. And you know what I, I didn't realize? Uh, the altitude in Wexford must be higher. You, it's right, right? Because when I was around, going around that rink, you know what I discovered? There's less oxygen. It's like, what happened? And then the evening, I also discovered something. We, uh, Jennifer and I are going to a fancy wedding with her brother uh, next week. So uh, Boskov had a sale on suits. So he went there. So I found one that would match her dress that was reasonably priced. And the jacket fit, you know, looking good. And then we got the pants. Well, here's, a, here's a, a 36, and here's a few other sizes, too. Ah, not going to need those, brother. And then Jennifer went off to get something else, uh, and I uh, checked out, and uh, they're ringing it all up, and the guy, Dave, who was helping us out, uh, I said, well, what size? Is it 36 or more? And I'm like, it's something like that. I'm not telling you what size it was, but the clerk behind there said, hey, you know, one of the things that happens is suit pants ride a little higher. Yeah, that's it. I'm not sure it's true, but I'm buying that. So <laughs> look inside your little folder. Uh, there's a little chart there, and this has to do with how do we uh, either keep our New Year's resolutions or not keep them. And isn't that an interesting chart here? The first one, the first number one there uh, is... I'm aware that I'm getting out of shape. That's skating around the rink and realizing I got I mean, there's, there's, there's a problem here, and it's probably not altitude. Second thing is I pondered it. Huh, you know, I, I think I've probably gained 10 pounds for every year for the past four years. <laughs> That's bad. And then you say, man, I got to do something. There is an entire industry based on this. What industry is it? Fitness, right? You go to the first quarter in fitness place and you say, oh, i got to sign up for a gym. 
And they're pretty full in January, then in February, then in March, and then the rest of the year, all of the people that stuck with it are enjoying the benefit of those of us who will not quit because we don't want to stop paying because somehow that admits total failure. So 90% of New Year's resolutions fall into the action behavioral gap because what ends up happening is people don't say, well, that's a priority. How many of you know that change is hard? We don't like change. We're creatures of habit. Well, that's change happens to say, you know, I really need to do that. That is a priority. And then the last one is we say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to base my decisions on the fact that four years ago I could run a half marathon, 13.1 miles. <laughs> and now I can't run around the parking lot. <laughs> That's reality. So there's two indicators that seem to point to success, not just in health, not just in other things, but really cause people to succeed in life, uh, and that is in their faithfulness and their effectiveness. Nobody want to, wants to reach the end of life and say, man, I just bombed. And here's what they are. Number one, a lifelong pursuit of character formation. And number two, and this is huge, is the presence of mentors. A presence of a mentor. Whenever you hear about someone who has experienced change and has reached levels four and five, there's almost always, I would say like 99.999% of the time, there's somebody else there in their life. It's just almost never done in isolation. Change happens when people gather together. And you know what the church is? It's the assembly of believers. Like-minded people gathering together. Imperfect, broken people gathering together. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Yeah. I mean, Pharisees can be here too, but basically it, most of us, it, it, we realize we're broken. So we need community to change. And so here's what I want to do is uh, we want to look today at what community is, and we want to look at your three wise men. Sound good? All right, let's look at a verse real quick. This is what's required. Hebrews says, encourage, uh, in, be encouraged on your journey. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect the meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially that the day of his return is drawing near. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Let's do that. Doesn't that feel good, even though it's sort of conjured? It feels good. You know, I had an elder in my old church that wanted us to play the Cheers song. Sometimes it's good to go to a place when everybody knows your name. It, it'll, it'll play, I think. So community is a place where people pick you up when you are down. We offer a hand up, and not, not a handout, but a hand up. When two or more, uh, two people are, get, are better off, says Ecclesiastes, they help each other succeed. Isn't that cool? They give you wise advice in a multitude of counselors. There is safety, that says Proverbs eleven fourteen. Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, without consultations, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. 
something great happens when we gather together, doesn't it? Because God says the first negative command in Scripture, it is not good for us to be, anybody know, alone. So as we look to 2017 and as we look at our three wise men, the first wise men we want to look at here is an editor, is an editor. Look at this guy up here. I'll show you my editor. His name is John Philbrick. And um, there he is. Isn't he a good-looking guy there? About 16 years older than me. Uh, I talk with him every week uh, on Fridays. You know, when you're, when you're working with people and you're trying to do stuff in life, sometimes it's helpful to go see a counselor, to bounce things off. I'm way in favor of that. That's my counselor. I mean, he's a guy who has been a pastor. He's 16 years older than me. And basically, John walks with me like a good spouse or a best friend. A Nathan, that's the biblical character for the first one, says to you, you demand. Right? Should we try that? What do you think? Let's try it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you demand. All right? That's what a Nathan says. It's good for us. But here's the deal. A Nathan will also pull back the curtain in our lives and, and basically they'll say, you are that man. Do you know the story I'm referring to? Nathan was, I'm going to tell you, don't worry. <laughs> uh, Nathan was a good friend of King David's. King David became very powerful and popular. And with that comes danger. When life is going really well, that could be dangerous, especially spiritually. And he sinned with Bathsheba and broke all ten of the commands. And so Nathan comes in and he uses his own integrity, his own character. You see, Nathan, your editor, sees your work and is not afraid to get the red pen out. Sometimes when my editor, if Carlos White were here, I'm working on a dissertation, it comes back all bloody. Because yes, there's, there's good stuff here. They look in our lives and say, I believe you are a man after God's own heart. Well, what you're doing right now is not okay. You've broken all Ten Commandments. The God of Israel is not going to be favoring us anymore. And so, he uses his own character by giving a story about some rich man who came in and had a feast, but instead of using one of his many sheep, he went and stole one from a young guy or a, a poor guy, and David just raged with anger. And then finally, he said, who is that man? And Nathan said, you are that man. You need friends in your life, friends. If you want to get past the dip there and reach the higher levels of change, you need someone who's going to be able to say, I love you, I care about you, you demand, but also you are that man. And so, Nathan's get under your skin. Uh, he's going to say, hey, you're acting foolish. They are our friends, but they're willing to speak the truth in love. Nathan's will tell the truth. You know what Proverbs says about that? Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds of a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Nathan's really care. The most unloving thing that you can do, 
Want to hear what it is? To a friend? When you see them wrecking their lives, the most unloving thing you can do is nothing. Oh, they're driving down a one-way street. Oh, oh I knew that was going to happen. You don't let the, that happen. And it's really uncomfortable. Anybody ever have to confront someone they love? Anybody here? And you actually follow through? It's hard. And that's where you got to say, well, this may be the end of the relationship. I hope not. But if I care about this person, I'm going to tell them. You are the man. Nathan's asked questions as iron sharpens iron. But before we move on uh, to this, I, I need to say something about this. As you're looking for mentors, you need to know that a wise person in your life, all three of these wise people, they're able to separate the sin from the sinner. That's really important. You don't need sin inspectors in your life. They're just looking and saying, oh, there's a storm. I wonder how she's doing. Ah, caught her. You know, she did something wrong. You don't need that. You know what happens when, when I tell my accountability partner about here's an area I've fallen. Oh, that's sad, Jim. Okay, well, let's pray it through as if it didn't happen. And if there's repairs that need to be made, I go and make them. But if he sins or if I sin or if I've blown it and failed, he's just as sad, maybe more sad than I am. So when you're looking for a mentor in 2017 or a wise man, don't look for someone who's a sin inspector. They're out there. Um, enough said, right? <laughs> All right. So uh, when we're looking for someone, look for someone who really believes in you, who will walk close to you, who's your friend. And in, in next, next week, in the following week, we're going to have group link. So any of you enjoy group life, getting plugged into a group? I hope you have. Uh, it's really great stuff. There's, there's hitch groups for married. There's growing a strong marriage that's going to start. Um, these are ways, well, yeah, you're going to get some good information from them. But what we hope more than anything is that you form relationships. They're going to walk with you through thick and through thin, and relationships take time. All right, so that's the first one, an editor, the person who's not afraid, who walks with you, believes in you, but is not afraid to get out their red pen when you need it. And the second wise man or wise woman is, oh, keep on going, one more. Ah, anybody know who that is? Jillian Michaels. And now I know that's, that's a little bit old. Uh, she is a butt kicker. I, I know saying that in church, but I don't know how else to put it. Your first wise man walks with you as a friend along the path. A coach or a, a butt kicker gets behind you when you start to settle into complacency. You start hearing, get up. And, and, and the reason I wanted to put Jillian up there is because they understand the seriousness of what the path we're on is. You know what? Remember Biggest Loser? How many of you remember that? Am I just getting really old? Okay. They look for people that are so grossly overweight and unhealthy that if they don't make life changes, they don't get to level four and five on that little chart, they will die in five to ten years. And so your Jethro, which is the biblical character that goes with that, Moses' father-in-law, your Jethro or your butt kicker is the one who gets behind you and says, 
You have, you have potential. I know you can make it. I believe in you, and I see the path that you need to be on. But I'm not going to let you just sit there. I'm going to push you, push you, push you. You see Jillian hugging people. So she's not like some Hitler. Maybe a little bit. But a coach that really is a believer that loves you like that says, I think you got it. When I was in high school, I, I played football, and I was, uh, I was a fullback, and it was a little tiny school, so don't be impressed, right? I missed the Steelers draft somehow. I don't know. I must not have been paying attention. But, uh, you know, I, I like being a runner or, or, you know, something like that, and the coach made me a nose guard. I'm like, are you kidding me? First of all, I'm not that big. Second of all, I'm like, what is your thing? And I, and I was giving feedback a little bit, uh, not very politely. And Coach Hoffenkamp goes, run a lap. And I'm like, around all the fields. I'm like, are you serious? So I'm running a lap, running a lap, running a lap. Is that enough? No, run more. And he kept on having me run and run and run and run. And I found out that he was, <laughs> he was the nose guard for University of Iowa. And he said, I see something in you. I wanted, you to give, I wanted to give you my position. I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, I feel silly. Well, that's what a... Uh, a Jethro does. They actually see stuff in you. So a Jethro sees your potential and the path to your future. In Exodus 4, we see Moses. Moses uh, lived with Jethro because he married his, his daughter. That's his father-in-law. And he, he sees God in the burning bush. And he has his encounter with God. And God says, I want you to go and deliver my people from slavery. Free them from slavery. And so he goes to his father-in-law and says, in verse 18, so he goes back home to Jethro, his father-in-law, please let me return to my relatives in Egypt, Moses said. I don't even know if they're still alive. And his father-in-law says, go in peace. Now, when you have a coach, or the other word for that, they, as long as you're moving in the right direction, they're fine. It's when you get stalled or stuck is when you're going to feel a swift kick. Jethro's will nag you to take action. Your first friend is just walks with you as you're moving. The second one gets behind you and pushes. They're not always the best and most enjoyable people to be around. Sometimes you hear, I have something I need to talk to you about. Anybody ever have that fear? Oh, had my annual review with Danny and Bob. Oh, dreaded that for a while. Totally irrational. They were wonderful. Just so encouraging. What a great place to work. But they want to make sure you're moving in the right direction. But when someone is your coach, your butt kicker, they're not fun to be around. But you need them there if you want to reach the end. A Jethro will bless you, but will not flatter you. They're not going to be singing, you're the jolly good fellow. Okay? Look at the text here. Here's how it progresses. <clears throat> Moses goes back to Egypt. Uh, the ten plagues uh, freeze the people. And now Moses is in charge of every dispute for the millions of people there. Okay? So it says in verse 18, 13, <clears throat> The next day Moses took his seat, hearing the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him morning till evening. How many of you went shopping Black Friday? Come on, admit it. 
Did you enjoy all those lines and, and craziness? This is what's happening here. Everybody's coming to Moses, and Moses has to decide every dispute. When Moses' father-in-law saw, that all, saw all that Moses was doing to his people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everybody stands around you from morning until evening? So, verse 15, Moses replied, because all the people come to me to get a ruling from God, it's my lot in life. I am God's instrument. And he is. When a dispute arises, they come to me. I'm the one who settles it between the quarreling people. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them instructions. And then what, Mo, what uh, Jethro says, see if this sounds like a coach with a swift foot. This is not good, his father-in-law exclaimed. You are going to wear yourself out and the people too. What you're doing is not good. Good job. You delivered all the people from slavery. You followed God and supernaturally he was with you and he still is. But you need to adjust a few things here or you're going to wear out the people and you're going to wear yourself out. Not only is it going to wear out Moses, but it's going to wear out everybody else who's following Moses. And then he goes on to say, this job is too heavy a burden for you to handle by yourself. Now listen to me. Here's the word of advice because they see the path you can walk on. You should continue to be the people's representative before God. Bring disputes to them. Teach them God's decrees. Give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you to carry the load, making the task easier for you. That's brilliant. Right? You know... One of the things we're, we're excited about is we're seeing uh, some of the groups uh, growing. And I'm looking at Jen Lee right there. And you know where I'm going. These ladies started this how many years ago, Jen Lee? Four years ago? Thursday Night Women? Five. Five years ago. And it's grown. They've had like up to 75, I think average 50 or so. And you're just like, oh my goodness. Wow, this is a lot. And so what they did is they began to develop what they call affectionately their JV team. And so they're the table leaders that are helping to lead a discussion and help to care for the people. That's brilliant. And you know what? Is it more fun, Jen Lee? Yeah, she's like, she's so sweet. Yeah, we're having a great time. I love those people. And I'm not pulling my hair out. I was going to look like Pastor Jim, you know? <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. And that's what we need to do. We need to, in the long run, we need to make disciples. But which is easier? Doing everything yourself? Or having other people help you? What's the answer for that? Who thinks it's easier to do everything yourself? It is, initially. How about delegating? It's so sweet. And there is a verse in the Bible, something about go and make disciples. I've, I've read it a few times. It's actually four times that I'm, I'm aware of in, in the New Testament. Just to drive it home, look at another, another person who's a, kind of a, a butt-kicking coach. Uh, there he is. You know who that is? Dave Ramsey. He doesn't want anybody, especially believers, to have debt, and to live in poverty. So he says, live like no one else, so later on you can live like no one else. Imagine if we had no debt, 
You could invest in all kinds of amazing things. So if you want someone who is a coach, I want to invite you to come to the men's ministries, the Wednesday morning ones, or they're studying the Truth Project. Tuesday or, or Thursday nights, uh, be a man. And there's uh, three women's studies. Join these. And uh, I, I don't know, I don't think they're going to be like a Jillian Michaels, but I want to invite you to look for a second wise man as a coach because they'll see your potential and they'll push you along the path. Okay, what about the last wise man here? Let's, let's have a look at this one. You know who this one is? Not me. Oh, third wise man he is. Yes, Yoda. Yoda is very wise, right? Your third wise man is a mentor, a Peter or a Paul. They're the ones that have probably older than you. They've lived a long time and they've got a reputation for being wise, a spiritual mentor, coach, trainer, director. Uh, Yoda is someone to look up to. So the editor here walks next to you. The coach walks behind you. The Yoda or the spiritual mentor is one you look up to and they feed into you. Not very often. They're usually less accessible than the other two. But we need a Paul or a Peter in our life. Look, uh, it, think of this way. How, uh, what a dumb question this would be. How many hunters here? If, if you're going to go hunting in Alaska, you're probably going to want to have a guide, right? There, there's two good reasons for that. Number one, you might die if you don't have one. That would be bad. Number two, you probably won't get an animal. So you're going to come back, yeah, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars on this great hunting trip that I dreamed of my whole life, and I came back without an animal, without even seeing one. That's, that's a Yoda. Gamaliel is the one who discipled Paul. And in, the, in Acts, the, the religious Jews are very upset about the growth of the early church. So James is killed, right? First they killed him. And Peter is in jail. And they, the, the church was fervently praying. And then the Lord sent an angel and the doors were open and he was let out of jail. So a very wise Yoda. Look, look at this. Yoda can help you discern the things of God. Gamaliel was not one of the followers of Christ. But look at his sage advice. Acts 5.38. So my advice is this. Leave these men alone. Let them go. If they're planning to do these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. They may, you may even find yourselves fighting against God. And so a spiritual Yoda, uh, a mentor uh, like that, is going to guide you towards God. But the subtle difference is they're not going to become your God. Okay? Some people look for people, okay, you need to help me anyway. I just got to find them. No, no, no. They're trying to help you become more independent on your own or more dependent on God. But when you say, man, this world, how, how many realize that life just gets more and more complicated? If you have someone like that you can call, then you're in good shape. I've got lots of them. Just call them up and say, I started a, a doctor of ministry program because, uh, uh, because I needed to be around these people that could really help me. 
And because after a while, you realize you're it. And I feel responsible to you all to give good advice. So they'll guide you towards God. They have the, the motto that Dave has for the worship team. He must become greater. I must become less. And their, their mantra is, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. When you're picking someone to follow you, you know, a lot of times they'll say, you don't pick the school, you pick the teacher. If you find the right teacher, uh, there's lots of people. Howard Hendricks was this amazing professor, and Chip Ingram and others. They switched programs so they could be under the teaching of this, this man. That's finding a Yoda. For me, it was John Ellenberger. John Ellenberger spent 27 years in Irian Jaya. He translated parts of uh, one part of the Bible in a complete version. And man, that guy just, he was the man. And so I would go to him because he knew his stuff. So here's the good news. CAC is filled with wise people. There are wise people around, and we should not be shy in forming relationships with them. So what do we look for as we look at this? Look at this uh, last, last slide here. It says, how do they treat their spouse? Are, are, they, are they good only in, you know, up front, or do you see some character behind the scenes? Are they accessible to their kids? Are they bragging uh, about building other people up? Is that their passion? You know, we're starting an uh, adoptive support group for people. You know, we're going to have the baby bottles in a few weeks uh, because we value the pregnancy center and we want to support that. We're also going to support those that have adopted and fostered. That's starting up. You can check that out. And one final thing before we wrap it up and enjoy uh, the rest of the day is you need to find a Timothy. That's someone that you will invest in. If you find a Timothy, as you invest in them, you will be encouraged. Look for, if you look for the Timothy, you can get along someone. If you're just, you feel like, I don't know what I can offer this person, walk alongside a Timothy. Find someone younger and say, hey, you want to meet periodically for coffee or whatever? If maybe you're a little bit further along and you can say, man, I see that person, they have potential. There is a person here who's very large, fit-wise, and I say, man, you are an Escalade, Escalade, but you think you're a Volkswagen van. You don't know what you've got, so I'll coach them. And look very carefully for someone who is a Paul. We're, we have a culture here of shadowing and mentoring people. One of the things I love about Pastor Dave is he says, yeah, you can be in the music team. You just need a shadow. You know, walk with the people before. Learn their stuff. And Dave, he says, anybody can, anybody can learn how to sing. They can, we'll put them in the choir and they'll get it. That is a culture of discipling. The reason why this, this message is so important to me is because I'm a living example of someone who stayed back in first grade and was told many times in many different ways, boy, you're, you're going to have challenges. But you know what? I, I didn't want to give up. Maybe I was thick-headed. I don't know. And I said, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to prove them all wrong. And the other thing I found is if I'm going to do this, I'm going to find people that can invest in me. And so whenever I found someone who was worth being around, 
I would just come to them. I, I'd try and learn everything I possibly could for them. And somehow the Lord has given me the opportunity to have a disproportionate amount of mentors in my life. And, and I want to tell you, they're here. The book, this book here, Peak, The New Science of, of Expertise, his contention is that, you know, there's, was someone born as a prodigy? He says, in every example, scientifically backed, it's nurture, not nature. And so his contention is, if you want it, you will, you will get there. If you want to become someone who is known as an effective follower of Christ, you can get there, and we will help you. It all begins with, like a woman this morning told me, in two days, it's my spiritual birthday, just this morning here, and life is so different. Of course, she had people surrounding her, helping her get here. But if you have never said, Lord, I want you to take the wheel of my life. I want you to be the leader of my life. I've made lots of messes in 2016 and before. And so, Lord, today, if you're offering forgiveness, then I'll accept that. I will turn. I'll do a U-turn. I'll repent. So I'll have you as the forgiver of my sin. And the second one is, I'll have you as the leader of my life. Not only by myself, me and Jesus, it's me and Jesus and a new family. What a privilege we have, friends. Some of the finest people in the world are followers of Christ. So let's, let's, join, let's join together and pray. Father God, as we begin 2017, we thank you that you believe in us that making disciples is your plan and community is your idea. And so, Lord, for the one that's drifted away or the one that's never said, Jesus, I'm yours, we ask that they would just hand the reins over to you and they would experience life and life to the full. Father God, I pray for the the Nathans, the Jethros, the Pauls and Peters in our congregation, that they would have a fire within them to find Timothys, male and female, and to raise a generation that brings healing and hope to our world. And we pray this all in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and all God's children said, amen. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful new year. And make sure you get to levels four and five so this time next year we can be celebrating together. God bless you. Have a great week.